we have certainly used this uh, as an opportunity to show a different face for Comcast to show that we are there uh, respecting our customers' time. We're trying to simplify their experience. And we try to make things right when we do fall short. And so when they come to this channel, we've seen a, just from a JD Power standpoint and from our NPS scores, the customers seem happier when they use this channel because of the, uh, the faster turnaround. Wow, Adam, I tell you what, if you've ever, <laughs> I mean, look, guys, listen up. If you have ever responded to a customer in social media, you need to reserve the next however many minutes this show is and listen very closely. Jay, I love doing this show each and every week and certainly want so many of our guests to go longer than the, the 30, 45 minutes that we have. This is a guest that I wish we could have on for an afternoon binge. Uh, Lisa Blackshear, uh, she is running what may be the largest social media customer care program that I'm familiar with. She has more than 400 agents out there interacting with customers every single day in just about every conceivable channel. So brilliant uh, in growing a social customer care organization to the size and the success that they've had. Success, not just from a kind of business standpoint, from an operational efficiency standpoint, but from a net promoter score, which goes directly to the customers like it better and their perception of the Comcast brand is impacted because of Lisa's work. And it, you're exactly right. We, you know, Adam and I are both nerds for social media customer care. Obviously, we talk about social media marketing a lot on this show as well. But yeah, we we could we could have done a whole a whole day uh, <laughs> just to <laughs> just keep on talking to Lisa. So you guys are gonna love this show. I'm gonna get to get to the sponsors real quick so you can get into the program because it's that good. As always, the show is brought to you by our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who employ my special Texas friend, Adam Brown. And they have an, an unbelievable report that Adam and his team put out called The State of Marketing. And it, it they interviewed 4,100 marketing leaders all around the world to, to look at kind of what matters in marketing today. You can learn about the impact of customer experience on marketing, which is massive, how the role of social media is changing. We certainly will talk about that in this episode, how critical artificial intelligence is in 2019 and beyond. It is a barn burner. You have to download it. It won't cost you a thing. Go to bit.ly slash jsays, bit.ly slash j-a-y-s-a-y-s to download the Salesforce State of Marketing Report. It's the fifth edition. Do it right now. Also, the show is brought to you by our uh, benefactors at socialmedia.org, which is by far the leading organization for big company social media managers. Uh, Adam has been in the organization not just once, but twice, once while he ran social at Dell, once while he ran social at Coca-Cola. And if you are struggling, as you probably are, as everybody is, with some of the things that are important and impactful to big brands and social, as Lisa talks about with Social Care for Comcast, socialmedia.org is an organization that you positively must join. It is a non-optional exercise in my estimation. Uh, Adam, I suspect you agree. Completely agree. In fact, uh, being a member of, of socialmedia.org gave me the opportunity to meet with Lisa's predecessor, Frank Eliason, who, uh, who Jay, you, you mentioned on this particular podcast. And the opportunity, as I can remember at Dell, as we were working on our kind of social media protocol and social media standards in working with Frank and working with the leaders of other large organizations that had a larger volume of customer service experiences and interactions, again, bounce ideas off of them, kick, kick ideas, deal with crises. These are the types of things that you can do when you have an organization like socialmedia.org. They don't take just anybody. You have to be the number one social media person in your organization. You have to be uh, a sort of a medium-sized or large brand. But if you fit that bill, and I know many of you who listen to Social Pros do fit that category, here's what I want you to do. 
go to socialmedia.org slash socialpros, socialmedia.org slash socialpros. Apply right there uh, and they'll let you know whether it makes sense for you. Uh, you will really benefit from it, both in your career and in your business. So I think, Adam, we should get into the show because uh, Lisa dropped some serious science on this week's episode of the Social Pros Podcast. Lisa Blackshear, Senior Vice President, Communications, Digital Media, Strategy and Operations for Comcast is our guest this week on the Social Pros Podcast. Lisa, thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. Lisa, tell everybody a little bit about your role at Comcast, because it's not really on the marketing side. It's really more on the social care side, but it is all encompassing. So maybe give people a little taste, because they're not going to believe how much stuff you do and how big your team is. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, and happy, um, happy morning, everybody. And thanks for giving us an opportunity to talk a little bit about what we're doing at Comcast from a uh, social media customer service standpoint. And so essentially what, what we've done is we've built out a team that we call Digital Care, where we assist customers online across multiple social platforms 24-7, 365. We have teams in pretty much all over the country to handle various time zones. And as you know, the internet does not turn off. so we are basically available to our customers at all times. And that is fixing, meaning like anything that could possibly happen with a customer's uh, products and services. We're there, a team of 400 plus uh, individuals who handle really uh, anything that a customer service agent on a phone can handle. Uh, We can uh, schedule an appointment if it's needed. We can troubleshoot. We can help you with your bill. We can help you with all of our products, whether that's Xfinity Home, Internet, TV, X1, any of our products. And so we're just there. And basically, as you know, customers' times are valuable. We get that. This is us really being where customers are. And certainly, we want to give them exactly the information that they need, uh, when they need it, and where they want it. And that can be really just across multiple platforms. And so. I have the pleasure of uh, leading a, this team, which is really just our social media care arm for um, for customers who are on social media. It's literally one of our many channels and many ways to reach customers. So customers can still reach us on the phone if they want. They can chat with us. You can walk in one, one of our service centers. You can certainly talk to our technicians when they're in the home. But if you are on Twitter, on Facebook... Instagram, wherever you are, we uh, pretty much essentially have a team of people that can assist you there as well. Now, for those of you who have been listening to Social Pros for a long time or sort of OGs in social, Lisa's team is is now the modern uh, representation of what started off as at Comcast Cares on Twitter a long time ago. Frank Eliason, friend of the program, uh, started that sort of pilot program many, many years ago inside Comcast with just a handful of agents. And I just want to reemphasize what Lisa said in a, a moment ago. She has more 400. than 400 people doing social media and digital customer care, 400 people. Now, Lisa, I suspect uh, the growth from a handful to more than 400 is is a response to customers wanting to use these channels to communicate to Comcast about uh, Xfinity or, or uh, internet, et cetera, as opposed to phone or email or some other form or fashion. How, how, did, that, how did that scaling process work and how do you decide when to add even more agents to your team? 
Yeah, I mean, so really in 2013, we had about 13 people. And you mentioned um, some of the folks who were on the uh, origin of that, Frank and others, where, you know, it really kind of essentially started with at Comcast Cares. And then obviously, as you know, things come on, you know, come on to the uh, the social media world and, and fall off. So we've, we've certainly seen where we're like, hey, we need to gear up for this channel. And then that channel went away. It just depends. So what we do is from a forecasting standpoint, we take a look at just really through uh, technology that we use with one of our technology partners. We can see across really the world where customers are. And when we talk about that, I think, uh, Jay, I shared with you one of our dashboards that allows us to really look across anywhere. And especially with us now having partners in Europe, we can see when customers are pretty much anywhere reaching out to us. So we have software that that helps us with um, targeting and understanding where those customers are. And I mean, specifically, what we what we've done is really just we've looked at the growth model and anticipated some of the the growth that has happened. Obviously, we all have. Uh, if you think about ten years ago, where you were as an individual, were you on some of these platforms? Yeah, probably because we're we're social geeks. But you know, the average American person probably had not engaged from a service standpoint of, hey, let me fix something by going on Twitter. Let me fix something by going on Facebook. That was one of the things that we saw and really just had um, insights into that this was going to be the wave of wave, wave of the future in terms of that. So when you really think about, I think 68 of, of all Americans and 88% of Americans under the age of 30 use social media. So people are already there. It's about us being where people are and helping them in those in those locations. So one of the things that we talked about is that, you know, do you kind of just stand by and ignore that this is happening? Probably not a good strategy. People are there. People are going to essentially use those channels. And what we've done is we really have, you know, the expansion of not just social, but dot com and all kinds of technology, whether it's, it's Facebook Messenger, my account apps. Um, we use basically the Xfinity Assistant as well. So we use a plethora of technologies to help us get to those places. And, I, and most of us, I think 92% of people have said who who are already engaged in some sort of social media platform. I think it's 92% of folks who are already there have said, yes, I have used this channel to fix an issue that was a customer service uh, need, whether it was Comcast or Best Buy or whomever, your utility company. So people are there. It's about gauging, forecasting, and leveraging that as a viable channel in order to meet customers where they are. Lisa, I want to echo what uh, what Jay said and just thank you for, for coming on the show today and also just how impressed I am at kind of what, what, what you're doing and have done. Uh, back when I was at Dell, we used to look at Comcast. I think a lot of people in our industry really looked at Comcast and Comcast Cares as being that, that beacon on the hill that we all aspired to. Um, and I think that puts you in a, such a unique position because you're doing it at scale and you've been doing it for so long. So my question for you is, because of that, because of the success that you've had, the success you've had operationally, which I hope we'll talk a little bit about, success you've had with net promoter score and customer satisfaction, but are you seeing any changes in your customers and their expectations of what Comcast Cares can do or can't do, and even their temperament and how they're uh, approaching and engaging with your brand online? Any, any changes or shifts in the past year or two? 
I, I certainly think that we have some quantifiable reasons to believe that is the case because we do have uh, one of the highest NPS scores in the company from this channel. So customers who use this channel have certainly, um, uh, number one, it's an immediate way to get your issue fixed. People recognize very quickly that if they sound this alarm, that there are, there are folks that are there. Uh, what we've been able to do is use this as an early warning system is what we call it, right? So for those customers who have leverage using uh, you know, the, the service centers of, of calling us, recognize that, hey, if I say something on Twitter, most companies nowadays can't afford to kind of just sit and, and, and kind of watch the shot clock and not do anything. So what we've been aggressively pursuing really is really creating what we call is a digital machine. And the whole point of it is to really just, and I've said this multiple times about being where customers are, but also being best in class in terms of responding within 30 minutes to customers, which feels like a really, really long time. If you post something and walk away and essentially you could go probably cook a couple of eggs or something and come back. It's not in terms of when you really aggregate the entire universe of social. What we did, though, is we made sure that not only were we just staffed, we made sure when, I, when we talk about coverage, we're talking about 24 by 7 by 30, 365 days. This is for our residential customers, our business customers, our spending mobile customers. We have bilingual opportunities. We are bicoastal. And again, one of the things that has happened is we've hired a, a unique set of individuals as well. So we have millennials. We also have baby boomers. We have traditional people who came from our call centers who could basically bring a history around, here's what customers have said, and married that up with uh, a lot of our millennials. And it's a great marriage of, because most people think all we have is millennials. We don't. We have everybody, the uh, folks who've been with the company for years, who actually train probably the new hires, uh, the new millennials to bring them in to help them understand the history of this turnaround that we've been on from a customer service standpoint, and which has been no secret. We have certainly use this uh, as an opportunity to show a different face for Comcast to show that we are there uh, respecting our customers' time. We're trying to simplify their experience and we try to make things right when we do fall short. And so when they come to this channel, we've seen a, just from a JD Power standpoint and from our NPS scores, the customers seem happier when they use this channel because of the uh, the faster turnaround. So we're we're talking about you know, no small number, right? So we're we're talking about in 2017, we handled 2.6 million interactions. Last year, we handled 5.8 million. So people are there. Thankfully, we've had to, you know, really beef our teams up to to be where they are. We appreciate being the beacon on the hill. We're still tweaking, refining every day because you have to be able to have a swivel chair's mind, right? And you have to have a, a stomach for change. Because I never know when we're going to have to pivot to go to some new channel, hire different people, skill various agents to be able to do multiple things, which, you know, I think uh, we, we mentioned earlier that we may talk about really just the differences uh, Adam brought up around the five different types of agents that we have. So it's not just about, hey, being here and, and hey, go fix this. We have people who we consider engagement agents. We've got triage. We've got quality. We've got escalations and we've got incident analysts. So we've got five different groups of people serving customers' needs based on how they are. So 
Um, we've tried to tweak the model and thankfully, like it's really been a partnership. So Jen Curry, who is our, our head of corporate communications for this channel, has been really a remarkable advocate for us in seeing the future of this years ago and saying we have to have people in this channel. Like if we're going to really just really see the future and move at the speed of business, business was trending towards this channel. And, uh, you know, uh, trust me, we did not have early adoption, right? A lot of our leaders were trying to, you know, when it's not tangible, you're like, well, where are these people? What's happening? Especially if you don't engage in social media, it's kind of like this thing that you don't yeah. deal with. Wait, you don't know that, use this? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like a customer's coming here. So we were able to prove that out. And, and thankfully she was able to really sell this to the organization. And now, you know, from a progress standpoint, our targets, training and tools and the way that we tell the story, it is purposeful. We, we match the tone of the customer. If a customer comes to us, by that I mean, you know, we're all different people, right? So we have customers who are like, hey, yo, what's, what's happening, right? <laughs> My internet's out. So while we're not speaking probably to that casual, we don't speak very formally back to them. So our agents are trained to say, hey, how are you today? What's going on? What are you seeing? Versus someone who is, you know, with a very conservative tone, we match that tone as well. So we, so we emoji. The individual agent you're saying yes. will change the language and how they approach a customer based on how the customer uses language. Absolutely. Like That's sometimes customers will literally just send a, like a, 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 a frowny face, mm-hmm. right? Like something's <laughs> wrong. I mean, same way you may do that in a text message to a family member and just go like, uh, right. And, and the person's like, well, what, what happened? So clearly we're not, going to be like, hi, I'm from Comcast. How can I assist you today? So <laughs> our, our agents are empowered to be able to basically send an emoji back to them or, hey, what's going on? What happened? How can I turn this frown into a smile? Right. So we match the tone and we try to, to make sure that we are uh, engaging, uh, you know, in the way that the customer is engaging with us. So what that means is this is a very different agent that has the uh, has been empowered to mm-hmm. you know do a little more than some of our agents in in the call center. So we've we've had to change the model, break the model, fix the model, be very flexible with our leadership teams around. Hey, now we need to do this. Hey, we did this, but a lot of it is based in what we call social quality. Forty percent of our agent scorecard is baked into quality. So it's not about how fast you responded to the customer. It's about what did you do to handle it? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not really measuring how long that took. We just want you to fix the problem. One of the things that I see with our clients at Convince and Convert, and I'm sure Adam does as well with their clients at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, is that when companies want to operationalize and scale social care, there's a lot of concern around consistency and tone and making sure that we have a, a messaging uh, playbook or something along those lines. So that as much as possible, uh, agents have, have um, maybe it's not copy and paste, but, but have designated responses, things like that, that they can use. And, and what I hear you saying, Lisa, is that you probably have as big of a social care team as anybody in the world, and you're not doing that. You're saying, let's get agents who actually have the mindset and the skill set to just treat people like humans and trust that they will interact with customers in a way that customers actually like. So instead of trying to script them, you're like, just hire the right people and let them script themselves. Or am I misinterpreting what you're saying? 
Yeah, it's a little bit of both, right? So with, with every situation, we certainly have talking points for, so the same talking points that an agent would use to troubleshoot something that you called us about or that you had a chat with us about or you met with a Xfinity um, retail agent, those, all of our frontline customer-facing employees have the same information for how to program your remote or how to take the closed captions off off of your TV or turn it off, right? Turn it, um, turn it on off, sorry. What is different in this channel is having a, a sense of the humanization piece of sensing how the customer is engaging with you. It's still no different. I think what I'm saying, though, is when you're on the phone and a customer is laughing and kind of joking with you, our phone agents are kind of kind of match that tone as well. If I'm standing face to face with you in a center and I see that you're obviously upset, I'm taking that really, really seriously and making sure that I am getting straight to the point to handle. But if a person is also in a different mindset in terms of, hey, in a casual tone, you you know, it's one of those things where you feel the customer out. I will say that from a social standpoint, you get to do that in front of everybody. So that's the difference. Right, the phone yeah. call is not an is not an exchange in front of the entire world. When you're in a service center, the customers who are visiting the center obviously will see you, but the whole world is not seeing it. So one of the things that you do have to skill and hire a different type person who can handle some would call it the stress of knowing that you're speaking out loud in front of everybody. It does require a different skill. So we are hiring. A, a different skilled agent to be able to have a little bit of calmness in them, some communication skills, good writing skills, a techie type person as well, but also, you know, a person who has a passion for service, customer obsessed type um, people, human social agents, as we call them, where you can look at and engage with and really make a call on how I'm going to engage with this person. So they follow the directions, obviously, the directions for how to take off closed captions is the same no matter where we see you. How I have that conversation with you, this is where they've been afforded a little bit of leeway to go up or down based on the customer's tonality. You said your your goal in digital is a 30-minute response time. Is that the same goal as you have on phone, email, or some other formats? And the other question I have is, it's of course not atypical for customers, especially if they're like, hey, my TV doesn't work, my internet doesn't work, to to call and email and use social. They're like, I'm just gonna sort of spray and pray here and I'm gonna complain in every place, every every place I can find, and whoever gets back to me first, that's a win. How do you coordinate multiple places on the back end when you have one customer uh, interacting with the company in multiple touch points. Yeah, I mean that that can happen, and and that's where we have to have um, harmony in our systems, and the technology allows us to do that. Thankfully, our technology can let us know if well, we can see that Jay uh, called us, all right, and we can see that Jay has has posted. So we have technology that allows us to see your your experience for that reason, so that when we're engaging with you. You're not starting from scratch in every one of these channels. So it's not like, oh, give me, oh, I called. Oh, you did? And like, you, we shouldn't be being surprised by the many times that you've tried to reach out to us. So we have technology that allows us to uh, have insights around how you've tried to contact us. And that does happen, as you said, to <laughs> pray and pray that you get everybody. But the 30 minutes is not necessarily... So the best in class, we've um, we've seen this um, shared really around the uh, the social world. That that's 
kind of best in, in class. I will say most times we are way better than that. And I'm just being conservative, conservative in our in our output. Sometimes it's one minute. Sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. So you think about when you are talking about over 5 million interactions in a year, you know, we land um, really uh, south of, of 30. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself saying that. And, and you know, we, we have an incident and that's not true after I get off this call. <laughs> but the uh, the other piece that you talked about is, you know, how do we look at that and see the customer's entire world? This is this is something we struggle with because you, you can do those things pretty quickly and we may not know it. You could have just literally tweeted and then got on the phone and we would not have had time to see it. But the point is, is that customers get that if you use these channels, I'm gonna I'm gonna get somebody. And most times, most of us, our lives are not set up for just stopping what you're doing and getting on an 800 number to do something. So it is a way for you to multitask this and you know finish an issue. And usually, what we try to do is if the if the customer is publicly tweeting, we will say, "Do you want to? Can we have a DM with you?" And most times, a large percentage of those end up in a phone call because by the time you know, sometimes the text message exchange can go on for 15 minutes, but on a phone call, it could have been 30 seconds, and you're kind of driving right by each other because you're not getting. Sometimes the customer say, can you just call me right quick? This is what I'm trying to do. No problem. And then it's, it's resolved right there. So a lot of the social exchanges still end up being a phone call. So again, this agent has to be highly skilled to be able to engage in social. But if the, you know, if the customer says, I want to talk to you, I want to text with you, I want to email, that person is able to do all of those things and pull the lever and be able to, to deal with you in the manner in which you prefer. Lisa Blackshear, Senior Vice President of Digital Marketing Strategy and Operations for Comcast. Great to, to have you on the, the show. One of the things you told us, Lisa, before the show was we were talking a little bit about multiple channels. And, and you shared with us with, with a document that you're currently, your social team is currently working and interacting with nearly a dozen different social media channels, uh, which... At, at, you know, at first glance seems overwhelming. And, and one of the things I know our readers are very interested in and would probably appreciate your, uh, your insight on is which channels are you, are, are you seeing trending uh, where you're seeing more activity and more action? Facebook Messenger, I know, is something that you, uh, you're implementing right now. But as you look at that horizon 12, 16 months out, any channels that you see, okay, we're going to need to double down or any channels you're saying, listen, Activity and actions are waning on this one. We need to focus more of our efforts in another area. Yeah, I mean, so oddly enough, it's, initially it was predominantly Twitter. And obviously we started out at, at Comcast Cares. But what we certainly learned is that when we turned on this, uh, the Facebook Messenger channel, um, a lot of customers are just there to engage. And, and essentially that's just texting, right? So you kind of leave the Facebook social platform and you engage in text messages via um, Facebook Messenger. We've seen that happen and, and trend right where we thought, just from some benchmarking from some of my peers who also turn those channels on. So we leveraged a really competitive analysis to, to gain insights around what that would look like in the future. But what we're seeing is an interesting trend in that wherever we advertise, it's, it's pretty even. If we're if we do marketing campaigns and, and TV spots and really gear up and say, hey, we're on Twitter, we see Twitter uh, volume go up. 
if we say, hey, we're on Facebook, we see the volume go up. So what we're seeing is right now, wherever we advertise, it just goes up. One is not doing any better than the other. They both are sort of like, and so where we are now is trying to figure that out. Also, you have to um, think about customer demographics, right? Who is the Comcast customer? It has to be a person who actually has an address unless you're using some of our digital on-the-go programs where you just have service on-the-go, Netflix. People who have homes have um, an, or, or an address, right? So in order to have an address, you need to have, um, uh, I'm sorry, to have X1, you, you need an address, which means a lot of college students or people who are living at home or someone who, is, who does not have an address yet likely aren't our customers. And we know older customers seem to be more so on Facebook than Twitter. So what we're saying is a mix of both. So there are, there are some demographics that uh, trend the, uh, the forecasted volume in terms of what we're seeing. But what we've seen over the past two years is just wherever we advertise, the you know customers come. And one is now not outdoing the other right now. So it'll be interesting because a lot of we get a lot of uh, questions about YouTube, and while you know we we're there, we answer, we pivot customers from there. To, so we'll get you from any channel that you're in. But it hasn't been this this large explosion yet. But as more people graduate from college, more people um, life uh, livelihood changes, and they obtain more and more products, there we're seeing them trend towards all of our channels. So we see a lot of uh, text messaging. Some customers like to text. Some customers like to email. And we still have a large amount of customers who call because there's still a lot you can do from an automated standpoint, even when you call. Without talking to us, you can, you know, send a signal to your home, even when you call, and basically restart everything in the home. So there are some really quick things people can do by calling that they're just used to that channel. And some people don't want to discuss those things out loud. And keep in mind, like a from a privacy standpoint, we have to authenticate that you're actually our customer. We don't want to do that out loud on any public forum, which is why we're saying DM us. And when you're on a phone call, these things are you can quickly automate with um, those things that identify you as a customer. So there's, you know, there there are benefits to both. But from a volume perspective, what we're saying is wherever we advertise, customers seem to just trend to where that is. So that'll, that'll be interesting if that stays that way. Lisa, you've got 5.8 million customer interactions a year, which produces a tremendous amount of data and insights in terms of what customers like, dislike, what they think about the brand. How do you and your team take the insights derived from those interactions and put them back into the larger Comcast organization? Is there a voice of the customer, an insights report? How do you sort of, how do you take, how do you go through that sea of interaction and say, oh, here's something that we really ought to be paying attention to? Yeah, that's a great question. And that falls outside of the service area in which I'm, uh, I'm leading. So from a enterprise perspective, we're, I'm a part of a trilogy. So we have social media service, we have social media from a brand perspective, and we have social media from a marketing perspective. So there are two other versions of me. So folks who take those insights and really just you know deep dive into those factors and, and look at what our customers are saying, obviously, from a marketing perspective, that's, that's very important in terms of 
what our customers want. And also from a brand perspective, we learn a lot around what we're doing. Because obviously when these conversations are happening, customers are telling us things, right? They're like, hey, if I could do X, this problem would not have occurred, which you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe customers should be able to do X. So this is, you know, from a product development standpoint, we're learning and listening to those conversations because the conversation is always and usually trends more than just the service call. So those insights, so yeah, if you've, you've got 5 million people talking to you and you're listening, you're certainly going to be able to aggregate <laughs> a large amount of data and insights that you can use in multiple areas, whether that is in brand, improving our services, or also customers saying, I want more digital options. Or I want to be able to do X. So we have certainly learned a lot. We're taking that learning. And, and again, it's still very new in some of this. Because again, this, you know, the team is, again, we started with 13. And then I think in 2014, it was still only 24. It was only into 2018 that we got to 400. So the growth has been just an explosion really within the last year. So we're still now in this this new world of having enough people to manage this volume. And, and even with what we're doing today, we're not fully advertising this channel. Most of these customers have found us without a lot of big, big advertising campaigns. So we know that if we turn that on, we're going to see an explosion of even more customers. So what we're doing, uh, I think you asked earlier around the expansion and forecasting, we really we're being calculated and very specific around what we're doing because what we don't want to do is over index and go do this large campaign and then we don't have enough agents to actually handle the volumes. So what we're doing is I call it a drip drop strategy, right? We're just, we're turning things on here and there to see, okay, when we did this, we saw a a 10% increase in volume per day, right? And so um, we are v- really being very careful around what we're doing. But I can tell you, it, based on our early insight, if we turn the spigot on, their customers are going to come and we can very, very easily grow this channel to thousands of agents. Lisa, I have one last question before I hand it back over to Jay. I, I want to ask you one more question about that trilogy because I think that trilogy is important of, of your team, of the communication slash PR team and the branding team. You mentioned also Jen Curry a little bit earlier. Recognize how important that is uh, when you have issues in crisis, whether you have a, an outage or you have an issue with, uh, with a cable network that's upping the rates and you're, you're in negotiations, uh, whether it's ESPN or Tribune or some of the others that we've seen as of late. How do you work with your colleagues in communications and in branding? And are you coming to the table with data uh, you know, in terms of sentiment analysis, what people are saying in social? Are you being asked and tasked with kind of giving them that real-time radar, that early warning radar that you mentioned? Oh, it is definitely a real time, and we're we're a team that works very closely together. Because as you can imagine, when something happens, all those things are impacted. So we had a an issue just recently where one of our third party vendors there was an issue that impacted not just us; it impacted Verizon, it, it impacted Time Warner, pretty much everybody who is in the business that we're in. We were all impacted by this. So initially, we started seeing on social media customers saying, "Hey, what's what's going on? I can't I can't look in my account and I can't do X Y Z." 
So in, initially, you look internally to see, is this something that our engineers can handle? Is this something on our end? And we, quit, we found out that, okay, this is an issue across the board. When that happens, immediately there is a, um, you know, we, we kind of go into a war room where I'm there, the brand team is there, our marketing teams, the operational folks, everybody who should be speaking to customers. And we immediately have to message all of our agents so they have an answer to say, here's what has happened. We are aware. We know that this is, you know, XYZ has happened. We're working on as quickly to get this resolved. So we are all literally one group of people that manage this, the outcome of what is being said to customers, what's being said to the media, to the public. We, we definitely use our sentiment analysis. And literally, we have daily reports that go out every day when things are even going like they're supposed to be and it's beautiful. We will share that X every day we talk about. We saw X number of customers today. This is what customers talked about the most today. Here's what we saw trending today. So every, we have, literally, we have a, 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 a communications that we send out called the, the Pulse. And the Pulse basically lets everyone in a company knows, like, here's how many customers reached out. Here's how many customers we helped. Here's how many people came in and just said, hey, you know, great job, Comcast. We actually have a, a compliment area as well where people can come in and say, hey, I just want to say, hey, this, I love the, uh, the X1 remote. Or this happens. So it's not always the sentiment is that something is wrong. They just talk to us about everything. But yes, that group of us, um, we are, we're very, um, you know, kind of locked at the hip in terms of anything that is happening. Because obviously, even if it's a service issue, others will want to know what happened. How did you handle this? So the sentiment analysis is it's critical. And we're all over that. I mean, from a technology standpoint, the technology that we use Literally in real time, we, we have the capability to, the moment that the name Comcast is mentioned five times in a row, I get alerts that tell me someone's talking about you and here's what they're talking about. So we can very easily see almost like a you know thermometer or where heat rises. We can tell when something is trending towards this being a thing, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, no matter the sentiment, we can tell pretty much instantly when something is happening. And this channel has certainly helped us tamp down things that I would say five years ago would have been the V word. It certainly would have been a viral situation. We were able to capture it, see what happens, and uh, really uh, mitigate the issue with the customer or with the media or whatever happened. Hey, I heard this. And obviously, we have a broad company, right? So Comcast NBCU there's a fair amount of dialogue. So when I think about talk about the brand piece, NBC, if something runs on Saturday Night Live and it's a show that somebody didn't like, we hear from, you know, various people in the media around this. Yeah. Um, whether that's the president, whether it's politicians, various <laughs> people will reach out to us and that lane, then that's our brand team that will speak on behalf of that. So our agents know if it's not a product service issue, do not engage. Like you don't get into a, you know, why did you air this show? This show, I didn't like. I didn't like <laughs> not defending Michael Che comedic bits. Thankfully, you don't have to quite get into that. <laughs> well, exactly. So if something comes on any NBC show, they let us know as well that they liked it or they didn't like it, and we we shouldn't be doing this, or we should be saying more about you know gun control, or we shouldn't talk about gun control, or we should be doing this, or why are you paying people? Like we were when when the shutdown happened. 
you know, we afforded our customers, basically, we just kind of paused their account, any government employees, we allowed them to be able to, um, you know, have leniency during this time. Some people like that, some people didn't. So we see everything from service to every kind of issue that you can think about, people are talking about it. Lisa, so great to have you on the show. Thank you for uh, for your participation. Congratulations on all of your success. I am going to ask you the two questions that Jay and I have asked every single one of our guests over the past decade or so. Question number one, Lisa, are you ready? <laughs> I'm as ready as I can be. <laughs> Lisa, what is one tip that you would give someone to become a social pro? I would say you have to have a stomach for change and chaos. And by that, I mean, like, you have to be a person who is calm enough to know that nothing is ever going to be the same. Probably, I wouldn't even say from hour to hour, sometimes minute to minute. So you have to have a swivel chair mentality and be able to be okay with doing multiple things all throughout the day and being able to, to just be calm when the storm happens and then be uh, very secure in, in, in the playbook that you have set to trust your team that they're doing the right things and, and working with the right groups of people that are in place that when these things happen, almost like the fire drill, everybody sees the instructions, tell you not to go into the elevator, tell you to go to the stairs, stairs or tell you not to run. But then when it happens, <laughs> people run, people go to the elevator and they, they just kind of break all the rules. You have to trust that process that you've put in place that when these things break, you follow the process and you get in your swivel chair and you work with all the people that you know are part of your war room strategy to run in their lanes to do their job. So uh, that's what I would, I, I would say any social person certainly has to have the ability to do that. Such great advice, I think, for anybody in social media, anybody in marketing communications, customer service, or, or anybody wanting to become a, a leader in, a, in their respective organization. Lisa, last question. Uh, if you could have a video chat with any living person, who would it be and why? That's a good one. For me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you said living, right? Yes. <laughs> There's the one qualifier. One qualifier. Got to be living. I would say, I think that would be Michelle Obama for me. Hmm. And the reason I say that is, um, I would be just from a crisis communication background that I have for me, just really just I would really want to to pick her brain around, you know, what tactics, what advice would she give as well when when things go south and don't end up being what you thought they were going to be, um, how do you handle the good, the bad, and ugly in front of the entire world? Because it's one thing to be able to do it privately at home, but when you have to do it on display in front of everybody, just some of those uh, insights around how does one maintain everything and, and say the right things, do the right things, and do it with a smile in front of the entire world. Michelle Obama, very popular uh, response on our show. And, and Lisa, what I most appreciate is, I think, the, the, the alignment of, of your two answers there. I mean, if you, if you want to talk about poise and confidence and coolness under pressure, uh, uh, Mrs. Obama definitely uh, sh shows all those, uh, all those attributions. Lisa, thank you again for being on the show. Uh, for all of our listeners, Jay and I so appreciate 
you listening to Social Pros each and every week. We couldn't do this show. We wouldn't do this show without you. We hope you will join us next week for Social Pros. This is Adam Brown with Salesforce Marketing Cloud on behalf of Jay Bear with Convince and Convert. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.